You are now experiencing the roller coaster known as country music. Sit back, relax, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times, fasten your seat belts, and be sure to tip your waiters and waitresses. Now, without further ado, your guides, Ryan and Jordan. This is the Country Music Critic. And this week, I'm telling you, we got somebody that I'm so excited to have on the show, Jordan. Yeah, I'm pretty excited too because this is you know, something that I've always wanted to wanted to do myself. I've, so I mean, I'm yeah, you know, really interested like to hear his you know story and you know the road that he took to get where he's at. Right, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeremy Spielman. Hello, happy How's to be it, here. How you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. How about y'all? We're good. We we're. I'm telling you what, we we feel like we've hit the jackpot by uh, you allowing time to come on and talk to us. Well, you guys, y'all need to set y'all's bar higher. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll just dive right in. So uh, you're from the same area that we are in. We're, I'm I'm in Cave City. Jordan's in Glasgow right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you know where those two places are. Oh yeah, good deal. So like in high school. Being a songwriter, was that something that you always wanted to do? And if not, was there something else that you wanted to do? No, you know, my my parents were musical. Uh, they, you know, sang in church and they were in a, a little like Southern gospel quartet for a while. And uh, uh, I was always around music, but I, and I always wrote, I wouldn't call them songs at the time. I'd call them poems, you know. And then uh, about the time I turned 17, I really kind of started, um, I'd say, trying to turn what I was doing into a song. And when I was about 18 or 19, I had a cousin. I had no idea somebody could make a living as a songwriter. I, I mean, in my head, whoever was singing the song, you know, wrote it. And I had a cousin uh, who was a couple of years older than me said, you know, there's, there's guys in Nashville and that's what they, they, they write songs. That's what they do. They get paid. And I was just dumb enough to think, well, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I really mean that I was dumb enough to just think I was going to walk into Nashville and, you know, and they were going to roll out the red carpet for me, but I didn't end up moving to Nashville till I was 24. Uh, basically just out of fear you don't know the truth <laughs> right um you know i you know half of me was really cocky and half of me was terrified and uh when i moved here you know i did all the cliche of course i've been here since 96 so it's a different town now but at the time you know what you did was you went and played all the where there was a place called broken spoke saloon yeah and uh there was a place called uh bluebird which is still there, um, mm-hmm. but it's different now. But on, I think it was Monday nights, you could put your name in a hat and get up and sing. And then uh, uh, there was Douglas Corner was a place I played a lot. And uh, just anywhere where they'd let, you know, anybody off the street get up and play a song. Huh. And cool. and I started, you know, meeting other songwriters. I met a guy, still one of my best friends to this day, Trent Wilman. Trent had a record deal on Sony. He made a couple records on Sony, but he's a songwriter, had a few hits, and now he produces Cody Johnson. 
I don't know if y'all, you know. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, But, you know, Trent and I were roommates forever and, you know, writing songs for a living and dirt poor. And then uh, he got a record deal and basically, you know, he was gone all the time. And But I still got half the bills paid. So there you go. I did That's that awesome. Until I got married. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now was there anybody – and, and of course, you don't have to answer any of the questions if you don't want to that that you don't like. But yeah. was there anybody from school that you ended up writing a song about, like a situation? I mean, that uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I don't. You know, I don't know if I could say there was one specific situation that like a whole song was about. But all of, I mean, the majority of my songs were, uh, I mean, most of country music is kind of themed around that, mm-hmm. that period of life, right? Whether they're right. calling or not, with that running around, you know, right. back roads and parties in the field and all that stuff. So, I mean, I drew from that and still do, you know, 30 years later, I still do. As far as, I would have to think really hard, you know, if there's ever been like a specific, uh, perfectly true song that I wrote about hmm. anybody during that time period. Definitely, you know, ex-girlfriends that broke my heart or something. Right. Up, you know. Yeah. It's like um, Taylor Swift. I mean, she's yeah. made a living off of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. Oh yeah, when you were in school, did you uh, did you play any sports? I, you know, I played a little bit of football. I wasn't a great athlete at all, and I I threw shot put and discus, and I was actually okay. pretty good at the shot put. I was actually huh? pretty decent shot put. But uh, you know, growing up, like when I was a kid, I played baseball and basketball. I did all you know the things. Yeah. Never was a great athlete. I mean, I liked it, uh, but. Yeah, I just I, God didn't bless me with with those skills. <laughs> I was wondering was when you know I was in school. I played except I went to Monroe County, but okay. uh, that's where I'm from. And I know <clears throat> Barron County always had a ton of Spillmans, yeah. <laughs> and they were all really tall and they were really athletic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was the oddball in the Spillmans. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I have a cousin that I, my the same cousin who told me people write songs in Nashville for a living, still to this day has the Kentucky State forty yard dash record because the year he got it, they did away with the forty yard dash. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> so, that's nice. Always, unless they bring it back, that's right. Right. So, so what's some? Um, what would you say? is one of the craziest jobs that you ever had. Of course, before you got cuts, um, what was something that was unique that you thought, or even if it was just something crazy that you had job-wise? Well, so um, I was a valet for a long time. So there's a place here in Nashville, still here, Union Station Hotel. It's the old train station. Um, and it's things have changed a lot downtown, but at the time that was way more open down there. And I valeted for Union Station for probably three three years. And a buddy of mine worked for a TV show called The Crook and Chase Show. Yeah, 
Um, and so he got me a job there as a part-time stagehand. And um, during the course of that, I learned how to be what was called an A2, audio two. So I started doing um, things for, I, I, I went, I switched from that show to a show called This Week in Country Music. And we traveled everywhere. And I was the guy holding the boom mic or putting the lob mics on, you know, you see them put the little mics on people and clip them on their shirt. I right. did a lot of and then TNN, who owned all that stuff, went bankrupt. And I was still about a year, year and a half from signing a deal. So I started doing freelance audio work. So I did that kind of stuff, like holding a boom. Or like we did a lot of live House of Blues shows. And I would be running cables from the front of house to the satellite truck. Or, you know, I did a lot of audio work. I did the ref mics for the Titans games for probably two years i still did that after i signed a publishing deal for a while because it was so cool to be on the field during the titans games. yeah that's awesome <laughs> um, um and at that point it was freelance and it was good because i could work you know they have to pay you a little more if you're freelance so i could work a couple of days a week and write five days a week as opposed to working five days a week and trying to write nights mm. or weekends so it was a it was a great it was a blessing it was a great transition into writing full time. That's awesome. So I I will jump into uh, the first song that I have, which is uh, when I heard this song at this point in time, I had never heard anything close to this, and it instantly connected with me. And that's sinners like me. And uh, there's a line in there where it says, "I know where I'm gonna go." Me and Jesus got that part worked out. On the day I die, I know where I'm going to go. Me and Jesus got that part worked out. Now, to write a song like that, how did that come about? So, probably one of the, if not the biggest blessing, one of the biggest blessings in my career was... Eric was a guy who moved to town about the same time I did. And in my little running crew, that was, he was part of the crew. You know, we were the, it was Trent, like I said, me, Eric, there was, there's another writer, Luke Laird, you know, uh, cut Melissa Pierce, Jen shot. I don't know if you know any of these names, Luke Bryan. Yeah. Know, we, we all ran around together. Um, and, you know, Eric and I just had a, we were great friends, but we we had a writing thing that was pretty unique, and everybody kind of recognized that, you know. And his publisher and my publisher were like best buds, and we wrote tons of songs, you know. We wrote, yeah. And we still, and thank God, he still, you know, when he makes a record, I still get to write for those records. And he's been very faithful to that, you know. You, if you look at the credits on those records, most of those guys on that first record are still on the last one. That's what I noticed. Yes, absolutely. You know, that's just because he's a loyal guy. You know, he doesn't have to do that. He can write with anybody he wants. Yeah. Uh, but that song was, we wrote that song um, probably around the year I'm guessing here, but like 2000, 2001. And he didn't have a record deal yet. We both had publishing deals. I remember we wrote that at, at my publishing house where, you know, 
my, the publishing company I wrote for. Uh, and we, you know, we did that three quarter thing and, and we had those lottie dies and we played it for a couple, played it for a couple, you know, people in the office. And one guy said, that's one of the best things I ever heard. And one guy said, what the hell is the lottie die thing? Like who, who, what kind of man's going to say lottie die? And, and we kind of like doubted a little bit. We were like, well, and then like, you know, a couple of days went by and we were like, no, that feels right. Like, I don't feel, I don't think that's weird. Like to us, it just felt right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was very atypical or not typical to, to say Lottie die in a country song and just have literally one lyric in a chorus. I think Snoop Dogg did it, but it was not in the country song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we knew we had something special and, you know, he cut, obviously cut that on his first record and, and, uh, uh, you know, there was a title of the first record, but that's still one of my favorite songs I've written too. Absolutely. That that's, one of my greatest it's it's in the top five for sure also um the second song is another try that that's one that um at that time when i heard that song that was a true heartbreak song i mean that song right there is just amazing and how did that song come about if you don't mind us asking well so i know that song you're man you're pulling out like some old old yeah that song Stapleton and I wrote before either one of us ever had a publishing deal. Like neither one of us had signed a put. We both brought that song into our publishing deals. Now I think it was seven or eight years after the fact when Josh and Trisha cut that song. But um, uh, yeah, I remember when we wrote that, you know, again, uh, Stapleton was another guy ran around, you know, in the same circles and, um, you know, it was, I don't know. I don't know why we wrote that sad song. I mean, we, again, we, I think we knew we had something really cool and we, we cut a little demo of just Stapleton singing because I mean, obviously Stapleton sings something. And, right. And I was going to ask what that was like. <laughs> well, Stapleton, now, now it's his wife, but at the time his girlfriend Morgan uh, got a, got a record deal and she cut that song first. And honestly, it's one of the most gorgeous things you've ever heard. Morgan sang it and Stapleton sang harmony. And it was just, Mm. uh, I've asked Stapleton, I don't see him very much at all. Every now and then I'll run into him, but I've asked him a couple of times, like, why don't you recut that song? And he's like, dude, I don't want to sing that high anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was going to ask, have you ever had a song that you, have written you know stolen or like a premise to a song that you're in the middle of writing no i mean i've been pretty lucky about that you know it gets i haven't you know i i really i mean there's been some questionable stuff um but no not flat out and i've never been sued for stepping on somebody else's stuff i mean the the i think the hard part about that is yeah i, I do think some guys flat out steal stuff but i think right. most of the time when you see those those big court cases about song theft i mean you're talking about guys like me who who write songs every day you know four or five days a week and it's really hard to 
try to have a handle on every song that's mm-hmm. ever been recorded. And sometimes you're going to step right. on. It. Yeah. Uh, and, and, in the times where I think somebody's got close to maybe stepping on something of mine, I, I really think that's what happened. I don't think anybody flat out took something of mine, but I have, you know, I've heard something and I'm like, go, ah, and I think, you know, yeah. people hear something and it just kind of works way in and it's in there and, does that make sense? Like, oh, absolutely. For sure. I don't I don't think many guys are out there just on purpose stealing stuff. Right. There's a few, but honestly, I think most writers are just trying to make a living. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Then my third song is uh, A Man That Was Gonna Die Young. When I first heard that song, I automatically went to like my grandfather who had fought in the war. And then also my other grandfather, who was just a hard worker. And to me, hearing that song, it's almost like they woke up when they're 40 and they're like, how in the hell am I still alive? Was that yeah. kind of the idea when you guys wrote that song? Well, so I remember we wrote that song on, sitting on a tour bus on Eric's farm. And he was making that record, uh, Outsiders. And, you know, I we we wrote I don't know I think we probably wrote four or five songs for that record and I think he cut on that record he cut that one in Dark Side that me and him wrote together but that song I remember we got I I had that chorus but I had a different hook and uh, so I took it in and we we sat there and talked for two hours before we ever started writing and you know, he was starting to have kids and I was, I was, my wife and I, our first three are adopted and we were in the process of adoption and we were obviously a lot tamer than we were when we were young. Uh, sorry, my, my five-year-old. Uh, you got the same here. Uh, <laughs> here too. A lot tamer than when we were young and, and uh, we kind of like, you know, making fun of ourselves a little bit for kind of, becoming starting to become grown-ups and you know responsible people and and I said well I got this thing and I played him that chorus again with a different hook and he's like dude I love that but I don't like that hook and so I was like well let's I mean let's see if we can find something else so we started on the verse and got into the chorus and then you know he kind of was like working on the course and he just said uh what made you want to love a man who's going to die young. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's it. So it was really his hook. And I had brought that chorus in. Oh, wow. Uh, but I think the song kind of turned out the way it did because we were kind of sitting there just realizing, you know, we're kind of dads now. We're kind of like, we're not like those, we're not Willie and Wayland anymore. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're tame. Yeah. It kind of came from that. Cool. That's awesome. Did you name two artists or uh, bands outside of uh, country music that you would like to work with? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I can name a million. Uh, (laughs) Like the main two or three. Or if you want to name all million, you can. That's fine, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I was always a massive Don Henley fan. Eagles fan, but Don Henley specifically, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And 
it's never going to happen, but I would love to work. You know, that would be an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, again, pipe dream, but um, uh, Bill Withers, I just always love Bill Withers. And my wife and I were in uh, Ventura, California a few years ago for, for work. My wife works in the music business too. She's not a writer. She's on the business side, but we were out there for a business thing. And um, we got to meet his daughter and just hung out. She was like just the kindest, sweetest person you ever met. And, you know, but obviously he's passed away now, so that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, as far as I think anybody I would want to work with now, um, you know, John Mayer, I think is, an amazing artist still. Um, A lot of talent. Yeah. I mean, just all around great writer, great player, great singer. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, yeah, I mean, I can keep naming, but right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what was one of the first things that you purchased for yourself after uh the success started just one little hobby item or something that you always wanted and you was able to get now i splurged and bought myself a uh brand new tacoma truck and uh i still drive that truck and it makes my wife mad because i won't get something else but it still runs great you know yeah. it's like there's no point in getting rid of it if it runs I, good and, I'm an old married man. I ain't trying to impress anybody. And right. Like, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sure I'll get something at some point. But uh, I'd never had a brand new truck. I'd never had a brand new anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I, I went and bought, you know, I was able to buy it and not have to do payments or anything. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. I Absolutely. I grew up probably like y'all did. We didn't have any money. Right. That that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) So your book, The Divine Devils, and also as soon as we mention that, you guys that are listening, the first one that inboxes us, we're going to send you a free copy of it. And we had did some research on it, and Eric Church did the forward, correct? Yep. Dean Dillon did the audio reading, correct? That is so cool. How in the world did you get Dean to do that? Well, Dean, uh, years ago, became, he became like a, almost like a father figure. You know, the first time I met him, I don't know what year it would have been. It would probably been like 2003, 2004. But I got a cut on a Leanne Womack record. um, And he was on that same record. He had the, first single and I had the second single or no I had the second single and he had the third single and uh they they did this that was back when CMT used to do the cool album release shows I don't know if y'all remember that yeah they did this little it was a little venue downtown I can't even remember what it was but uh they did a shooting where uh she sang with the band and they just had the writers listening to her so it was for the show um, uh, they, you know, because of the lights, they kind of have to position you a certain way and set you a certain, well, they set me and Dean together. 
and I never talked to him. I obviously, like, worshipped the man. Yeah. And, you know, when I still, like, sitting beside him, I still didn't really have the guts to, like, start a conversation. And uh, uh, they played – she played his song, and I, and I just, like, worshipped the nerve, and I said, Dean, I, I, I know – you probably don't know who I am, but like I'm a huge fan, and it is an honor to be on just to be on the same record with you. And he's like, "Well, thank you." You know, he's, yeah. he's pretty. Acting. And then they played my song, and he goes, "He says that's the one you wrote," and I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, "That's a good hook." And in my head, I heard. In my head, I was like, "Was the song suck?" So it's just the hook that's good, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you know, fast forward a couple of years, we started writing a little bit, and then my he would have me and my wife out to his ranch in Colorado, and we'd go stay out there with him and Susie, and we became good friends. And uh, when I wrote the book, you know, it's a western. Um, uh, you know, I had. I had it edited and I, I was talking to my editor about, I said, I want like an old cowboy to read this. And she's like, well, you can't do that because an audio book, they have to be, they have to enunciate and be very pro, you know, mm-hmm. and Dean's not that, but I just went against the grain and I'm like, I called him and I said, man, it's a lot to ask. It's a hundred thousand words, but will you read this and see if you, and he called me back like a week later. He's like, I love it. I'll do it. Wow. And I took a little rig out to his uh, ranch in Colorado and we holed up for two weeks, you know, and he did his parts and he was awesome. And I, I think it's absolutely perfect. And, you know, wow. he sounds like an old cowboy telling that. Yeah. It's really cool. I want to say I'm impressed. It's hard to write a song, but it's almost impossible to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> And I've read some reviews and everybody just raves. So yeah, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. I know it's got to feel great. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to, you know, in a song, you got three minutes to say what you need to. It's a lot of fun to have that much room to blab. Now I seen that uh, you also produced the uh, soundtrack to it. Uh, does that mean that possibly down the road somewhere that you would uh, consider like a little mini TV series? Well, there's actually people working on that. There's nothing. Awesome. No, there's no, there's nothing, but there are talks going on about it. So, so Eric's Eric's manager, John Peets, who works at a company called Q prime is managing my book and he's kind of going down those, those roads and, trying to figure that out but i just want to be clear right not, right not, not saying who knows yeah. what's gonna, you know what I mean? right so and then uh we also seen that uh the, was it this year or last year that you you started your own publishing company brave music correct yeah that was uh that was actually let's see gosh uh it's it's not like it, that was i gotta do some math in my head uh that would have been like 2011 oh okay gotcha and yeah i left universal uh i was at universal publishing for 10 years and a guy named pat higman who i'm still really close with was the president there i was very close to pat and kind of when pat left uh i decided i didn't want to be there anymore 
And so I did my own thing for three years and I did not like being a publisher at all. I, I like to be a writer. Gotcha. Uh, uh, and it was, it was a great experience. I think it was good for me to, to kind of see the other side of the desk a little bit. Um, but I don't, I'm, I'm better at creative. I'm not really good at making financial and business decisions. <laughs> I don't like the difference. Right. So if somebody uh, was to be moving to Nashville, what is, um, something that you would tell them to do within the first week being in town? You know, um, the town's changed a lot since when I moved here. Um, but I still think it's very, it's valuable to, I think it's a very valuable thing to get out to these, you know, smaller writers nights. I think there's a, a place called the listening room where a lot of those young cats hang out and, there's some other places that I'm sure I don't even know about now, but I see these, I, I mean, I, you know, especially now I feel like there's a really good crop for lack of a better word of young writers and artists coming up. And, and, and it's kind of beautiful to me. I see these guys like writing songs with their, their buddies. And I just, it's kind of like, I think that's the way it's supposed to happen. You know, and I'm sort of the old fart and I get to, work with them some and they, you know, I still get to be in the business and thank God for that. But like, I, you know, I tell them probably to my own demise, I'm like, look, you're going to write your best songs with these dudes you're coming up with starving with scraping your money together, go get, you know, baloney yeah. or whatever. Cause you don't, you can't afford food. And, and I said, don't, you can't lose that. Like, and, and I think Eric's, living proof of that like like i said he he still writes with all of us the dudes he was writing with back then and when we when nobody had anything you know and um i i love that about this town i love watching the new generations come up and so i i to i'm straying from your question but i think i would tell them to go to those places where those those dudes that have moved in town in the last year and find those, listen to those people. And, you know, you see some, you know, guy or girl, right. You hear them write a song, you hear them play a song that you love. Hey, say, Hey, can we get together and write, or we get together and play each other's songs and see maybe if we could work, you know, if we would work together. And, and I think some great relationships, great lifelong relationships are built that way. And I think some great songs are written that way. Yeah. That is awesome. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell people to come to town and start knocking on doors. Right. Just make a relationship. Yeah. I. I. Ninety nine point nine percent of people move to town are not ready to to have a publishing deal. I wasn't. You know, it took me five years to really start get to to get a publishing deal and start getting you know major label cuts. And and I think that's a pretty. feasible timeline some people it happens quicker some people it takes longer but i think five years i think it's it's dangerous to walk into town and i almost did it. walk into town and think they're supposed to roll the red carpet out because you had the balls to you know move to nashville nobody really cares they care right you know 
There's a lot of people move to Nashville every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of them move out a week or a month later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so that's – Some people can't take it. Yeah. I have one question that I always ask in every interview. Um, so I want you to imagine you're on an empty highway. There's no cars, no people, and you're walking. You're in the middle of the road just walking. Uh, you don't see anything around you. You look to the right, you see a field. It's an empty field except for two figures. You see the devil and you see God, and you have to sing one song to save your soul. It doesn't have to be a religious song. It doesn't have to be. It just got to, <clears throat> it has to be a song that you'll sing with every ounce of emotion that you have. What wow. song are you singing? Um, I don't know. I would probably sing the old folk slash gospel song, Father Alone. I've always loved that song. I always feel like it sums up life really well. Um, and I don't know why I picked that song, but that's that's what comes to my head. Well. It's got to have a you know a deep rooted meaning, right? Yeah, that's what you. So I mean, that's cool. That is very cool. Well, Jeremy, we really appreciate you giving us the time to do this, and thank you for everything that you've done um, in the past. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, every every time that I Google your name, I see a song that I didn't realize that you wrote, and it it just it brings us a good feeling knowing that you're from uh, the same area that we are. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank y'all for having me. Mm-hmm. All right, then we. Nice to meet you. Have a good night. You too. Yeah, thank you. This here podcast was prepared and accomplished by the Country Music Critic. The views and opinions expressed on the Country Music Critic are not necessarily those of the guests, sponsors, or anyone associated with the production of this here podcast. The Country Music Critic releases itself from all misrepresentation. Any information shared on this podcast was researched and obtained using the World Wide Web, a.k.a. the interweb. Comments made on the Country Music Critic are meant to be informative, comical, or just plain silly, and not meant to defame, asperse, calumniate, slander, traduce, vilify, or be malign in any way. Why do you boys consistently make me say all them tough words? Don't like it. Thanks for joining us on the Country Music Critic, and we'll catch you all next time.